Hi, this is Jonathan, and I play the human wizard, Jonathan the Magimuscular. Hi, I'm Jack. I play Trevancore, a half-elf Beastmaster Ranger. Hi, this is John. I play your half-orc barbarian, Carlton Tanks. Hi, this is Julia. I play the rock gnome cleric, Bernice Q. Burns. And I am Lauren, a.k.a. Obocrazy, your humble DM, and welcome to Dungeon Drunks. Distinguished adventurers! Last time on Dungeon Drunks, after plans are made about how to deal with a potential encounter with a blue dragon, our heroes practice various skills. Bernie spends some quality time with her lockpicks. Travancore enjoys drawing on the deck of the ship, while Carlton and Jonathan practice using Bigby's hand to reach flying creatures. They spot a ship half-frozen in an iceberg and convince the captain to go on over and check it out. Getting off the ship and using some of Jonathan's magic to gain access to the shipwreck, they find a hold filled with fine silks. But the ground begins to shudder and shake, and as the group tries to retreat, a ferocious monster burrows out of the ice right in front of them, and that is where we begin tonight. Welcome to Dungeon Drunks. I'm your DM, Lorne, also known as Oboe Crazy, and I am pulling more stuff out of the six-pack that I got from friend of the show, Carly and Nathan. This is not one of the ciders. This is the Left Hand Brewing Company Milk Stout Nitro. Ooh! It's, it is claiming to be America's Stout. America's Stout. That's a... That's a bold claim that's right a there. bold claim, Nitro. Yeah! I, I do love a big, thick stout, so we're going to give this a you try. You Mm-hmm. I see no problem with that phrasing. She likes them big, she likes them thick. And stout. I like them stout. <laughs> it's pretty good. It The milk is a little more off-putting than I was expecting. I guess I was... Ex- I, I, I just thought that that had something to do with the, the quality of the, the stout, but it is actually kind of milky. Anyway, I'll have to try this a little bit more. I don't... I, it's not like I hate it. I'm just like, huh, this might have to grow on me a little bit. Carlton, what are you Hi. drinking? So when we last left off, there was a monster coming at us of some sort. And I have a feeling I'm going to end up raging pretty quickly. So because of that, I've got Tiesta tea, lavender and chamomile iced tea that says relaxer on it. So after I'm done raging, I can cool down. It's an interesting choice to make. I was totally thinking it's also you were got a be splash like, of vanilla. Yeah, I, I totally expected you when you were saying that to pull off something like a fiery red raging tea of fire. It's not bad. It's a uh, very herbal, as a chamomile and lavender herbal tea with a splash of vanilla would be. Yeah, uh, but it's not bad. Tis not bad. Well, while you continue to enjoy that, Bernie. What are yes, you drinking? Bernie. I will take a picture. <laughs> yes, we're all seeing you. Pictures. <laughs> Pictures are happening. Bernie's working on her, uh, sign- that's not sign language for, no. Uh, so Her tonight- bay language. Bernie's, <laughs> if you will. Oh! Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. I-, I will thumbs up to that. Yeah. So I've had cider from them in the past. They're standardly good. It's Growers Cider Company. And it's, I think it's kind of like. A co-op style of it's literally just all Canadian apples or in this case 100% Canadian Bartlett pears I'm having some pear cider it's it's standardly good like I'm not gonna lie like it's not the best cider I've had but like I think if you like cider you will like this like it like if you're a cider snob you're gonna be like well uh, uh. but like no it's just standardly really good cider 
So I like it. I love pear cider. It tastes really pear-y. It's a little bit sugary for what I normally like, but it drinks really well. It's yummy. I already there you go. opened it because I had some chips and salsa earlier and I'm a thirsty little girl. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Synergy. My wife was just making like queso salsa just now. Ooh. No joke. <sighs> nice. I had uh, Newman's own mango salsa. Mr. Paul Newman, you are dead. But if you do, uh, <laughs> if you ever- In case you weren't aware, Mr. Paul Newman, <laughs> Paul you dead. You dead. You dead. Paul Newman is dead. Um, if you ever felt like sponsoring the podcast in cases of mango salsa and and throwing in a few blue corn chips, I would be I would be eternally grateful. I love it. It's got Paul Newman. Unfortunately, it's got Paul Newman in a uh, sombrero on the front. I don't think that's necessary. Paul, come on. Or Paul Newman's marketing people because he's at But I think the Paul Newman like foundation actually does a lot for cha- like its charity. There you go. So we're going to. And you know what? <laughs> As I walked in the bright sunlight, I had two thoughts on my head. Paul Newman's mango salsa and a ride home. <laughs> Literary reference for those of you young adult readers. All right. Well, now we know Travancore. We're going to go to you. Yay. What are you drinking? Good people of Faerun. Travancore's choice this evening is Eight Oaks Port Rye, left at my house by friend of the me, Gil. And uh, just for effect, I threw it in some Coca-Cola to see how it would go. Let's take a look. Live text it, folks. <laughs> friend of the me, Gil? Is that what you said? <laughs> friend of the me. Yeah. He, I love it. I, I think he listens to the show. I'm not sure. I'll have to talk to him next time he's watching Ricky. But, I love uh, it. That's pretty tasty. I rather, good. I, I rather like it. I mean, I'm not... Usually I'm more of a rye and ginger guy, thanks to Big Nice John, but uh, but rye and co- this rye and coke actually works pretty well. I have to be very careful though, because I might get rye ninja here. Yeah, coke is a very good mask for the alcohol that can sneak up on you. And this is something that Jonathan taught me: uh, apple juice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, partake some of some wisdom for us. What are you drinking today? Hey, it's Jonathan, and I play Jonathan the Magic Muscular, and tonight I am actually drinking a Jules uh, creation. What? I have in this Sonic Cup some Diet Coke, and I have added Fireball to it, and I, so it is a bottle rocket. Uh, it is a drink hey. that she came up with at PAX uh, Unplugged this year. And tonight's shot of Fireball, to be consumed at the first casting of Fireball, or the equivalent spell thereof, yes, this is probably going to happen pretty quick, is dedicated to friend of the show, Callison the First. Thank you so much for your support. This Yay. incoming Fireball, very likely, is for you. Well, since you say that, you have been attacked by a giant creature that is uh, that looks like a huge six-legged salamander, long whip-like tail, long uh, snout with sharp pointy teeth, the claws on it. You have a moment, especially at Bernie and Travancore, to realize that the claws seem to match the claw marks that you'd seen on the inside of this ice cavern as you were coming on in. It slams into the ground between most of you and Carlton, who had just had a moment of issue climbing this slightly steep Holy fuck, that's huge. cavern. <laughs> I just looked at the battle map, and I just saw the scale of it compared to me. And I went, oh, I haven't fuck. logged in. Hang on. I logged in, but I didn't do part B where I go to the map. And so now it's like, you're joining the game, and I'm like, oh. Jonathan, I'm, don't log in. You're most, not going to like what you see. No, I got it. I have to log in. I have <laughs> to see this. The most dread. 
Where's I, I, this, this has to happen. Shit. I often oh, no. use huge as a descriptor. I'm in this case, so tiny though. I'm also using <laughs> huge Christ. as a specific <laughs> size that is found in Dungeons and Dragons for a creature. It is literally huge and figuratively huge and technically huge. And now we can all roll initiative. Okay, I'm sorry. I need. We need to talk about. As everyone is rolling initiative, I don't think I, we'll, we'll, we'll multitask. Do I vote? I, I don't know why I keep thinking I'd ever have a bonus to initiative. The answer is no. So, like, looking at this image, and you'll have to send it so we can post it on, like, Instagram and Twitter so everybody can see this salamander is ripped. This salamander well, yeah. is on creatine. It's probably drinking half the ocean every day. It's, it's. That salamander ripped and a little thick. Like what? What is do? That's not. Must have been a lot of whey protein on that ship. (laughs) I like. My God, it's got abs on its abs. It's like looks like. (laughs) Jonathan the Magic Muscular, uh, kind of out of character and maybe even out of the game, like flexes in approval. Hmm. Yes. And Bernie just looks up and goes, "Damn." Thick boy, <laughs> thick ice boy. <laughs> when you spend your life digging through ice, you're gonna get some muscles, boy. Gonna get some gains, <laughs> some icy gains. I was gonna say this salamander definitely hasn't skipped leg day because they have six no. fucking legs. Also, yep. I was all really of them muscular. Is like, what does the middle do? And now I understand the middle set of legs. Wait, you send me this picture. It's you need to see it, folks. It's pretty. It's like very galaxy colored. If you think about, I took a screenshot. I'm looking for where I put it. Yeah, for those of you at home who have the books or have access to D and D Beyond, which I wholeheartedly approve for reasons. Hashtag ad. I I am using the image of the frost salamander from the books and from the the monster manual. Whether or not I'm using the same stats, you'll find out shortly. But it is that picture. Anyway, let's get some initiative. Bucks? Uh, Bucks gets a 17. Uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular gets a 16. And Shadow? Shadow got an 11, and Travancore got an 18. And Bernie? Bernie got a 14. And Carlton? Carlton also got a 14. Okay, but I'm pretty sure you got a better dex than Bernie. I have a dex of 3. I have a dex of nothing. Bernie clanks around, clanks around. Besides, I need Bernie to go after me so that she can fix all the damage I'm about to take. Yeah, actually, I don't like going first. Like, it's really, like, preferable as somebody who is a healing or maybe support casting character. I like watching, like, behind the scenes. I like watching what they do and figuring out what, like, I I don't like going after the monster because that's no good. But if you guys, what you guys do will change what I do, like, the decisions I make. So, like, it's, I like going last. I don't want to go first. I want the fireball to go first. <laughs> I totally get that uh, that cleric mentality. Actually, the person who gets to go first is, is Travancore. So uh, let me set the scene a little bit, both in the audio and the visual category here. You were climbing up. It's not a steep ice cavern that you'd come down. Uh, it's maybe only about 15 degrees, but it's ice. It's rough. So it's not difficult terrain, but it was enough that what happened while you were trying to very quickly move through the shaking and the quaking that was going on, Carlton slipped and fell back as this thing basically bore through the ice above you and you all scattered. So one way is Carlton. He is towards where the ship is. Between him and the ship is this creature that has arrived 
and looks like it is looking hungry, angry, interested at all of you. Um, and then on the other side is the rest of you. You can now see as this thing has fallen through into the cavern, the cavern itself is barely wide enough for it. It's very obvious this thing has been boring its way through. So there's really not a way around it without being next to it. But the way out is where everybody else is. Carlton is back towards the ship. So Travancore, you get to go first because you a Dexy beast. What would you like to do? All right. So we're going to Hunter's Mark, the Thickosaurus Rex or Thickosaurus Regina. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure with how big it is, we could tell. You guys are on the back end of it. All right, I don't want to waste a bonus action on that, though. So, uh, so Hunter's Mark, whatever it is, uh, the gender non-binary salamander here. You know, though, it's possible, because remember, Latin has neutral nouns. Ah, I forgot to look up and what the, the neutral noun for. the other languages got rid of that, and they thought it was a good idea. But as it turns out, you fools were wrong. <laughs> yeah, th- that was one change that did, so not, uh, that did not age well. Latin always leads to tangents. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Travancore, I'm under the assumption that irregardless of what you would call this thing, you're still going to Hunter's Mark it. Hunter's Marking it, and I'm going to use my sharpshooter feet, uh, so I'm going to take a uh, penalty to my attack, but I get to roll advantage because it's my first attack, and I get to attack before this thing. Let's see. Oh, cool. High roll is 26. That hits? Whoa! Rad, 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 rad. So it's going to be a one die eight plus, oh, 15. It's going to be a total is 19 damage plus, oh, they got to do the Hunter's Mark damage. Plus five, 24 it is. Just making sure. All right, yeah, you land a solid hit. I mean, the thing is huge. It seems to be moving pretty fast, but it's in an enclosed space. And so you nail it above the second set of legs. And you can see like a tiny little bit of this black blue blood pour out of the wound. Uh, anything else? Yeah, I'm going to stay put for now. Sure. That brings us to Bucks. Uh, Bucks is going to fly towards the ship, the our ship, like the uh, the exit out of this place. Okay, full speed. Full speed. So it's foop. all right. So yeah, I mean, his full speed with dash is something insane. He gets way way out there. Yeah, and I'll I'll be like, uh, buddy, be, tell us if any of these other things are like crawling up from the outside, just in case. It's like 120 feet he can move if he moves and dashes. and If he moves and dashes, yes, 100, 120 feet. Okay. The grade on this cavern that, you're, that you've been going through is slight enough that even at that distance, he can still see, uh, I'm going to say Travancore, Shadow, and Jonathan for a little bit. Uh, he can't see the rest of the field, but he, you can kind of very vaguely see him in the distance because it's a it's a relatively straight up. So, but he, yeah, he books it. And then Jonathan, it's your turn. All right. Jonathan the Magimuscular is going to back up towards the entrance, 30 feet. He's going to steal his legs in because he's ca- he has spider climb on him right now. But Jonathan the Magimuscular has an idea. Jonathan the Magimuscular says, all right, hopefully this works. And he flex flexes his arms and brings his hands in really close as he casts Polymorph on the salamander. Okay, what's the save on that? Save is a, I believe, Wisdom DC 17. That was not what I was expecting. Uh, No, he does not make it. What do you turn him into? I turn him into a little old octopus. (laughs) 
All right. You all watch as Jonathan casts the spell and the thing goes. And now there is a, I'm, I'm not going to remove it for the moment, but there is a small octopus on Jonathan the ground. Jonathan the Magic is like, okay, let's go. We, it'll be like that for an hour if we le- leave, leave it alone. So come on, let's go. So we have an hour to find more stuff. Wait, wait, no, let's put it in a bag. Let's make it in no. takoyaki. Because it's going to break out of that bag an hour though. No, if we do any damage to it, it turns back into that thing. We can't cut it or anything like that or keep it as a pet. In an hour, it becomes that thing. Unless I take damage, uh, then it could come out much sooner. Oh, well. Carlton? Yes. It's your turn. I'll say that Jonathan was able to get out the don't, if it takes damage, enough of that. But otherwise, you watch as this huge creature in front of you that was just digging its claws into the ice um, and looking at you all menacingly is now a tiny octopus kind of on the ice. Does it still look menacing? It looks adorable. Let's see. Does it still look menacing? Eh, it's not cute. It's like it's not a cute octopus. So it's one of those octopus in the um that you hear about that are in aquariums that are the the assholes that are constantly like breaking out of their tank <laughs> and spraying oh, water that like smart enough to cause damage. Those but are the not, best. I got so it. Not Ed nice enough. Yeah, but not nice enough That's- or smart enough to like escape. That's still cute. Have you looked? I've never seen a picture of an octopus. Don't send me pictures of ugly octopodes. Please send, uh, <laughs> what was your Twitter again? Nope. Send all the, um, yeah. Hit us up on our Instagram. Look, they're always cute, Lauren, even when their assholes are cute. They're not like, Bernie and Jules can decide if it is cute. It is not an objectively cute octopus, I'm going to say. It is not like giant anime eyes. That being said, it is actually Carlton's turn. What would you like to do? You said I have an hour, Jonathan? Yeah, but I we're leaving now. Sunsetting. I'm leaving now. We can get more stuff. Not really. No, we're leaving now. Uh, Carlton, uh, structural integrity of that boat, not high. Oh, and Callison the first? And, like, you, you see Carlton, and he has, like, Storm's Fury in one hand. He's, like, getting pumped up, and you see, like, his muscles, like, you see the veins popping, and they're like, don't hit it. He's like, but, but, but. Fine. And I'm going to walk past it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it flails around on the ground. It doesn't seem to exactly know how to hit you with any of its tentacles, so it doesn't even try. It just... Yeah, I mean, I guess I could dash out if we're in initiative order. Okay. Bernie. Uh, Bernie is also just... You've got a full hour of this polymorphed thing. She's going to be like, Jonathan, full hour, right? You remember that time that Jonathan the Magic Muscular turned into an owl? Yes, you also turned me into a giant ape. Oh, I didn't know if you remembered that or not, but yes. <laughs> okay, um, yeah, I think we go because honestly, we need to get as far away from this thing as we can because I don't know if it's going to follow the ship. This is true. We we need a head start. Let's book it. Let's let's um let's make like a a tree and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I whisper to Jonathan as I pass him, "You owe me death." <laughs> well, that's creepy. I that's know. <laughs> so creepy. Where... It's been a long time. Look, Listen. I had a moment. I had a moment about a minute and a half ago where I thought, "Well, we could put the octopus in the bag of holding." 
and then it would just die and it'd be in the bag of holding and I'd be very interested to do this experiment. And then I thought, Bernie would never do that. I cannot recommend this because Lauren's <laughs> going to ask about my alignment in a way that sounds like she's probably going to also call the police. So like. <laughs> call the cops. <laughs> call the alignment cops. Yes. Anytime you attack an octopus, you immediately shift alignment. (laughs) (laughs) Internal rule. Okay. I will ask Travancore and Shadow, do you also plan on running? Yeah, I tell Shadow, let us away from this place post haste. (laughs) Which Shadow knows to mean, let's go away real fast. Real, real fast. The octopus is unable to keep up with any of you. So you are, if you would like to run away, able to run away scamper back up the ice tube are you going to continue to run the entire way or once you're pretty sure you're not going to get attacked by this octopus do you take it a little more cautiously i cautiously cautious Caution. just because unstable ice surface here yeah okay yeah and i don't have my spider climb anymore just because i walk to work every morning in canada i know and also i'm a big guy and ice is thin and I go creak. Then I will not ask for uh, some more checks to see whether you slip and fall on the ice as uh, you all very quickly make it back up to first where Bucks is. And then you kind of clamber back up and out. The The cavern narrows quite a bit more as you uh, get to the portion in where Jonathan had to do some, some creative firebolting. And then you finally climb your way back up onto the top of the iceberg. You can see the sun is just starting to set in the distance. It hasn't actually gone down yet. You think you might still have like 30, 35 more minutes or so. Uh, but the the dinghy is waiting there for you. And you can see a couple members of the crew standing along the edge, kind of looking down concerned. Everything's fine. Uh, but let's go. Everything's fine for how long has it been in Jonathan the Magimusculars? Like seven, eight minutes. Not very, very. This thing wasn't buried terribly deep. It was, but you know, it was thick ice, so it just took a while to get through to it. So no, we're we're okay. But we've got about forty-five minutes before a monster wakes up, as it were. Let's uh, let's go. Um, uh, let's uh, do the thing. Make uh, ready. And moorings, lots of moorings, and the the poor starboard. Let's let's go. All right, you're gonna get in the dinghy. You head back over to the ship. Unless anyone wants to do anything different, they'll haul the dinghy back up onto the side of the boat. Haul the dinghy. Should we leave the dinghy low in case it does follow us? Then I can be down and hit it. Uh, when you say that, uh, the captain who had kind of been keeping an eye out and is giving you all worried looks, um, she she looks at you and she says, we don't normally recommend that because uh, you'll lose dinghies that way. You don't want to lose your dinghy. Okay, I wasn't sure of the dinghy to hitting ratio. I guess I could swim. I could swim. I could swim. Yeah. I'm not nah, listen, if there's something that we, we need to deal with that's in the water, we got other ways of dealing with that. Oh, or you got we- the harpoon guns? Uh, there is one that you have seen on the back of the boat. I'm going to go man it. Uh, it's not currently loaded. Would you like to load it? I will load that fucker. All right. Uh, <laughs> so as you're struggling with that, the captain is kind of watching this and goes, what'd you see? What's Do we need to be concerned? So we saw a ice monster. Uh, does Jonathan the Magic Muscular know what it was? Roll a nature check. Nature, nature, over the ocean blue. I rolled a two. <laughs> uh, so that is, uh, yeah, that's a seven, it, all in all. Yeah, looked like a giant salamander with teeth and more legs than it should. 
Yeah, it was like a, a icy lizard monster and lots of legs and teeth. And Jonathan the Magimuscular does this, but he flexes his arms while he does this. He's like, I, I, I. And, and by I, 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 would you describe for our listening audience what exactly are you doing? I, I have my hands right by my mouth and I'm making little jaws and I'm like, hi, hi, hi. But I'm also trying to show off my jacked forearms. So, hi, 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 hi. Bernie looks at him and goes, do it again. I missed it. Oh, I wish I'd gone here when I was in Bangalore. Oh, a chance to show off Jonathan the Magic Muscular's jacked forearms. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> one more again. One more again. One more again. Captain Valeria doesn't quite know how to handle this, but she says, so we should get away before the sun goes down. Definitely. See. Very, oh, okay. very far away. Maybe even away after the sun goes down. Lots of away. Like, the direction that thing is in, let's go opposite. You think this thing can swim? Because half hour should be plenty to get away from this berg. It probably, I mean, it was in the ice. I don't know, but we might as well take precautions and I would it be happy. It has six to... legs. It does have six legs. It's made of ice. So it's possibly. It's six legs. It's one of those legs can probably swim, but maybe there's one that can't. Were they webbed? It's a hexapod, so no. Did... Oh, did we see? Did we see if they were webbed? Uh, none of you really rolled a perception check, so no. I'm gonna... S- I mean, Julia noticed other things. Bernie was like, damn, that is the most <laughs> muscly lizard I've ever seen. It arrived and was there, and no one really took a, a close look at it, and then it was a, an octopus, so I'm gonna say no. Uh, you might have been all more concerned with its claws than what was between the claws. It is an octopus now. Unsure if it has the webbed feet, but I'm you know what? Here's the thing that I'm going to tell you, and this is just my logic. You, like, live on the ocean, so you can tell me. I can swim, tiny though I am. And she's going to hold up all her hands and, like, wiggle her fingers, and she's going to say, I did have a cousin with one weird webbed toe, but I think that's just a genetic thing. But I don't have any webbings, so I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, I mean... If nothing else, it's in the ice. It had to end up in the middle of the ocean somehow. I'd bet on it swimming just as a caution. Uh, Jonathan the Muscular volunteers for a watch tonight. I know, I know, we we hired for hired you for passage, uh, Captain. But um, just in the interest of ship security, I can do a watch tonight. And if I see uh, see it coming, I can blast it. So this whole time, have you been talking about it? She's been ordering the anchor up. They've been unfurling the sails, and they've they've gotten moving back on course for the Korean archipelago and uh, she's taken her position back behind the wheel looks over at you Jonathan and says well if you want but here's here's what I figure in a half an hour or so when the sun goes down uh, it's gonna be way too dangerous for us to be moving unless we absolutely have to and if this thing can swim from that iceberg to where we're gonna be in 30-40 minutes there's really no distance we can cover that it can't cover anyway. So I'm not going to worry because there's nothing we can do about it. Fair. That sounds, yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Let's, uh... It's not like my fireballs are going anywhere. All right, then, but hey, if you want to stay up... And if nothing else, I've hunters marked it, so I'll be able to know when it's coming close. Oh, yeah. What's the distance on your hunters mark? I always forget these things. Ah, give me a minute, I'll look it up. Yeah, I can't remember. I seem to remember it's like using D and D Beyond, pretty D&D big Beyond. or like infinite, and it lasts for an hour. Yeah, I think it's I think it's measured in planar 
terms. I, I can't remember. It's easier to just ask. Let's see, Hunter's Mark, first level divination, components range 90 feet. It'd be in there in the in the thing in D&D Beyond. Uh, how long does it last? Duration up to up to one hour. Well, it depends on what level I cast it on. Let's see, what did I, I cast it on? Well, you didn't say didn't anything, say level, so I'm assuming one. you cast it at level one. Yeah, yeah, so up to an hour. So after that. Okay. It doesn't say. It just says yeah. Yeah. you have advantage on uh, perception and survival checks. Yeah, so, you know, I'm going to say as long as you want to concentrate on it for the next hour. Yeah, couldn't hurt. All right. So, yeah, for the next 30, 40 minutes, the ship uh, continues out into the ocean. You pass by a couple big, other big icebergs kind of floating through the water, bobbing and creaking in that weird way that ice makes when it's not cracking, but it's under strain. Uh, it's a little eerie, especially since now the entire crew seems to be a little more on alert, kind of keeping an eye out. They've taken a cue from the, the captain and aren't alarmed, but certainly several more of them are keeping a, a closer eye on the horizon, closer eye back from whence you came. Eventually, the captain calls for the anchor to be lowered and they roll up the the sails. The sun has fully gone down and you can see that it is pitch black out here uh you can barely hear the waves against the hull and some of the the icebergs which are now fairly far away she's found a kind of an open spot and she says well i don't feel comfortable taking any more chances with the ship not when not when the sun's gone down so we'll, we'll have our own watches but i'll i'll leave it up for for all you if you you want to keep an eye out but i'm gonna go get some dinner and she heads on down below it just occurred to Travancore that his Hunter's Mark is basically useless and he cast it before it was polymorphed, which means the entire time it could track it is still an octopus. Uh, yeah. And I'll say, um, so it's been like 30, 40 minutes. It's getting close to that hour and where both Jonathan would be losing the polymorph if you've continued to uh, focus on it and you've felt the, the Hunter's Mark. Uh, it's still sitting in the same direction. I don't think Hunter's Mark tells you distance, but you can compass and you can tell it's still back there. So you've got like, you've both got about 20 minutes left before both of you lose these spells. Uh, also, Lauren, you said dinner and then Stephen walked in the room with my dinner. So you're actually magic. I summoned him. I am the well, DM of real <laughs> life. Summon dinner. That's at least a 10th level, right? Absolutely. It's a legendary action. <laughs> We here at Dungeon Drunks are huge fans of Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. It's an official free-to-play Dungeons & Dragons-based clicker game available on Steam, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. I usually have the game running in the background while I edit audio for this podcast. It is so much fun to put together a formation that includes champions from Companions of the Hall, Dice Camera Action, C-Team, Force Grey, and even more. It's always exciting to open chests to see what new gear my champions have. And speaking of chests, thanks to the fine folks who made Idle Champions, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer a free gold chest for the Steam version of the game to all of our listeners. Now this code expires on February 10th, 2019 at 8pm Pacific, so you only have a week to redeem once this episode is posted. Open up the game, go to the shop, and type in this code. J-I-N-K-M-O-B-Y-B- L-A-B-H-I-K-E. So use that code and then let us know on Twitter or Instagram what goodies you got. And now, enough of the loot drops. Back to the show.
All right. What would what would you all like to do? Well, Jonathan the Magimuscular, while he has his uh, useless human eyes, is going to have have a have a little bit of a watch. I mean, you have your goggles. So that's so useless. Oh, yeah, I have look, goggles. look with your human eyes. <laughs> my brain. <laughs> so- <laughs> my I, I will say this, and all of you would know this. Um, your dark vision with the goggles is only out to 60 feet, and it is dark vision. So while you can see around you kind of in shades of gray and and, and everything kind of close by is very clear, you can navigate the and they're they're lighting some lanterns on the top of the ship. This is not a ship that is being dark by night. They this is not a pirate ship. They are not trying to be stealthy. They're specifically putting up lanterns so that you know if there is a ship coming by they won't get hit but yeah you're you've only got out to about 60 feet before it's just pitch that's fine that's better than my human eyes (laughs) which don't do any of that so i can see jessica coming that's fine that's a joke that only 10 people will get but they're the 10 people i'm trying to make laugh all the time how about the rest of you i am manning the harpoon (laughs) i found a harpoon gun and now i am in love all right. It's on the back of the ship. It's it's you think you might not have seen it before because it is behind the wheel where the captain is and every and I was time busy you're flying the ship earlier. Well, and that's the thing. Every time you've been over by where the the wheel of the ship is, you are kind of focused on that. But yeah, it seems like a, a pretty impressive harpoon gun. It feels like you might like this thing is massive and could probably do some damage to a really hardy creature, but uh, it took you like 30 seconds to load it. So you do know these are the kind of things that like you're going to get a shot off and it might take a while to get another shot off. Gotcha. Uh, and is there a rope attached to the harpoon? No, there is not. I-, I will tie a rope to the harpoon just in case. Okay. Whose rope? I have rope. There's rope in my bag. All right. I reach in the 50. bag and hold it. I go 50 feet of hemp and rope. And then I do that magic trick where I just constantly keep pulling out the rope. <laughs> Carlton, make an intelligence check. Oh, this, right, this gonna uh, be good. This he's gon- not dumb. <laughs> I know. He's, uh, he's actually smarter than <laughs> he's actually smarter than Travancore by raw stats. Uh, unskilled intelligence. Just a straight intelligence check. That'll be a seventeen. Mm-hmm. This hempen rope is mm-hmm. the kind that is an adventurer's pack standard, and while it is strong and made for to handle even a half orc of your size, the harpoon gun that you're currently manning the the reason it takes like 30 seconds to load is the harpoons themselves they look like they're meant for killer whales or some of those pleosaurs that you had seen massive creatures and the harpoon is basically the size of you and much heavier and you are pretty sure if you attach this rope to that harpoon that you're gonna lose the rope Okay, do I see the big, thick ship rope anywhere nearby? You do, but it all does... I'll, I'll say your intelligence check there lets you know that all the rope nearby seems to be for rigging on the ship. You you get the sense that this is a purely defensive piece of artillery, and so if they're shooting this thing off, they're probably trying to run away at the same time. They don't want to be attached. Right, but if you miss, then you have the rope to bring your harpoon back. Oh, there's like a stack of five harpoons right there. Oh. Right, but we've learned what happens when your javelin goes overboard and you don't have a rope attached. You're now down one javelin, and a harpoon is very javelin-shaped. And I don't want them to be down to four javelins. I don't want them to get tricked into losing a javelin. <laughs> and I dart my eyes to the other side of the boat at Jonathan the Magimuscular, even though he can't hear it because I'm not saying it out loud. I just Jonathan, give him that look. 
I will say, yes. uh, so I'm going to say in conjunction with this fairly good intelligence check and Jonathan's knowledge of ships, like I, I'm going to say, Jonathan, you like watch Carlton man this harpoon and then start look, pull out his rope and then look at the rope and look at the harpoon and kind of go through these mental calculations. You could kind of tell what he's thinking. This ship, if you need that harpoon and you need to shoot more than five harpoons, you don't, you're not going to get the chance for a sixth. This is, this is a purely defensive thing. And at that point, you're either screwed or you're safe. Or a terrible shot. Either of these, but, so but, but Carlton, don't worry about it. Safe. Jonathan the Mad Muscular is here, at least for a little while. Jonathan the Mad Muscular has fiery things to shoot. And then I see that, I kind of just start, like, I got a pile of rope. I start feeding it back into the bag until it gets its own momentum and just starts, like, that little magic trick where it starts going like a slinky wood and pulling itself in. <laughs> it even makes that satisfying as it goes back in. So I have a question about how Bucks and Jonathan are linked. Like, basically what happens is Bucks comes back and relays this stuff, what he sees to Jonathan, but it has to be, like, physical touch? Or is it, like, a real-time kind of thing? So within 100 feet... Jonathan and Bucks have a connection to each other. Jonathan can see through Bucks's eyes, but he loses his own sight in the process. Past that, they don't have an immediate connection, and Bucks is kind of on his own. But they don't, within that hundred feet, they don't need to touch to be able to share that mental connection. So in theory, does Bucks have dark vision or no? Yeah, and Bucks more like sends me like images of what he's thinking. He doesn't communicate in words unless... Unless he, like, casts, someone casts it. Right. But what I'm thinking is, like, if Bucks has dark vision or ability to see at night that's better than Jonathan's, and as long as he's close, Jonathan will be able to use Bucks to sort of offset his lack of ability to see at night. Yeah. Bucks can run, uh, Bucks can run, uh, combat air patrol. Hmm. Can be a cap. There you go. He'll be, like, your eyes. Yeah. You can have him. You can have him basically doing circuits if you want him to fly around and then, like, perch for a little bit. He can't do, it's. It's cold and he can feel it, so you get the sense that probably after a while he'd get really tired. Ah. But he definitely has a much better dark vision, and he could do, like, circuit of the ship, land, rest for a little bit. And he could also, uh, Jonathan, if you want, you could send him to perch up by the crow's nest and he'd have a pretty good look around, too. Sure. And if if he ever gets too cold, Jonathan Mad Muscular says, Bucks, if you want, come down here. I'll give you, give you a little cuddle, give you a little scritch, and uh, keep you warm, and then you can go back out. Um, are you guys going to grab food before you take up these positions? I'm oh, yeah, of yeah. course. I'm going to. I'll, I'll take a plate to go. Okay. Yeah, you, you grab a plate to go. What are Bernie and Travancore doing in Shadow? Well, I'm going to grab some food, I guess, and have Shadow come with me. And then after that, while doing that, I'm maintaining the concentration on uh, on the ice octopus or whatever it is now <laughs> until it fades away. I'm guessing by the time I'm like halfway through my meal, it's going to pass yeah, we're we're we'll get there. Let me find out what Bernie's doing first, and then I'll I'll go back to that. I think Bernie's gonna eat with the crew because she's trying to like. She realized she had a little freak out earlier, so I think she's trying really hard to just be like, yeah, calm, cool, collected. Busts out her hot sauce, just acts like it's a normal dinner. Sure, they seem friendly, willing to chat. Uh, if there's anyone around you who um is upset that you had a freak out or is feeling any or is uh acting like eh, you know tourist they're not showing it at least i mean i have a feeling like i don't think we're acting like tourists should i do an insight check yeah give me an insight check all right because i think she wants to find people to talk to like she's like bernie is a social creature i have 
plus. I don't. You know, you ever think you got pluses on things and you don't, and then you think you don't have pluses on things and you do. When you play more than one character, absolutely. <sighs> yep, that's an eleven. Okay. You sit down, the people that you sit next to give you a, hey, how's it going? And yeah, as you make small talk with people and you're eating, everyone seems to be fine. No one is overtly friendly, but, you know, you're you're a little bit of a stranger here, but no one seems to be giving you the cold shoulder, shoulder or anything. Bernie's gonna um, bust her hot sauce out of her fanny pack that I think we established she had at some point. And she's going to start shaking it on, and she's going to hand it. And she's going to say, would you like some? Oh, yeah, I'll give it a try. Why not? Not too much. Not to be careful if you're not a spicy foods person. It'll. He was in the middle of, like, shake three and stops and goes, yeah, all right, and hands it back to you. Gives you a good appreciative nod. He's like, oh, yeah, gives it flavor. Mm-hmm. Travancore and Jonathan, uh, an hour since your encounter ends, your spells fade. Oh, yep. Lost uh, my octopus dar. My salamander, if you will. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I felt I, I felt the magical uh, the magical flexing, if you will, that concentration is. Uh, as you know, I, I, I unflexed uh, just naturally. So wherever it is, it is now a salamander, and who knows if it's pissed off or not. I am so sad that Bernie didn't choose to sit next to you, because now I, Julia, have questions <laughs> about your... <laughs> Jonathan's muscles and what flexing for an hour would do to you that would be horrible and and no we gotta continue because Bernie's downstairs passing hot sauce around trying to talk to people who don't want to talk to her god so, damn it so Jonathan the Magimuscular has several muscles at his disposal his pecs his biceps his jacked forearms several Lots of muscles down his back. He's not into anatomy. He just knows muscles. The The most important, though, for Jonathan the Magimuscular is his brain muscle. And that's what's flexing for that concentration check. Does it feel like when you wiggle your ears? Uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's a different sort of <laughs> head flex. This is an actual, like, brain muscle flex. Because clearly the brain is a muscle. See, now I want a Vitruvian Man-style diagram of JMM and outlining all of those different ma- ma- Magimuscles. <laughs> yeah we need fan artists to get on that uh, uh jonathan and carlton how long would you like to keep watch there are other crewmen who have been assigned to keep watch so you get the sense that you do not have to stay up all night to to watch if you don't want to so it's kind of up to you how long you want to stay out in the cold so jonathan said we had an hour so definitely for the first hour while with like an octopus and then i would probably give it another two hours before I would feel comfortable to go below deck. Like, after two hours and I don't see anything, I think, all right, it's time to go under. We're, we're out of the, we're in the clear. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan's going to hang out with his, uh, with his battle buddy, uh, Carlton, for the entire time. So they'll, they'll chat. They'll exchange, like, workout tips, because both of them clearly work out. So, uh, bro, how's your, uh, how's your squat been? Uh, good. I got, I've been, uh, I've been skipping brain day, though. Skip bro. <laughs> shouldn't what? skip brain day. Right, but I gotta focus on legs, ch- core, arms. Right, and you have days that you recover those. One of those recovery days is your brain day. Don't skip brain day. Carlton, you do think you had a little bit of a brain workout standing there at the harpoon wondering I did. I did have a little I did I did get I did get some reps in. Okay. Uh, good, it wasn't a full good. workout. Good. You did not skip brain day. Nope. 
he did a he did an excellent brain day. I would like the both of you to roll perception checks if you're going to be standing watch. Be oot and a boot. Let's see. That'll be a twelve for Carlton. Uh soft twenty for Jonathan. Okay. Guess I should roll for bucks, huh? Uh if you'd like. Yeah. Twenty one for bucks. Okay. It's bitterly cold the uh, some clouds have rolled in and so there's really not any stars or moon it's quiet the the sea continues to at least be relatively calm so it's a little eerie because all you hear are the gentle motions of the ship as it's it's moored as it were um the creaking of distant ice and you don't see anything past any of your dark visions it just ends in blackness and for the next two hours, you kind of shiver and deal with the cold. Uh, fortunately, there's not a lot of wind, so it's not too bad. But you don't hear or see anything out of the ordinary. Jonathan the Magimuscular sort of feels like if it really wanted us, it would have found us by now. Carlton the Tanks is getting cold and he wants to go out of bed. Ah, Jonathan the Magimuscular agrees. Let's go to bed, bro. It's weird calling yourself Carlton the Tanks. How do you how do you keep doing it like that? Do you not feel self conscious and like kind of pompous calling yourself Jonathan the Magic Muscular all the time? No. Uh. So is it a thing you have to get used to, or is it a cultural thing? Well, so Jonathan the Magic Muscular, it, you know, went to the uh, went to the Neverwinter Academy for the arcane arts, and um, well, a lot of the professors there were very formative. It, I went there as a boy, and I. Came out of man? Actually, just recently. Yeah, uh, I just recently left, I'm relatively not speaking. not a boy. But uh, yet, I had a professor, uh, professor Wood. Uh, she was a, uh, or she is, a tiefling en- uh, enchantress. And this makes so much sense. So mm-hmm. how old were you again? Sorry, I know I'm not a part of this conversation, but I need to be reminded of that. And so do uh, Jonathan the Magimuscular is probably about uh, 23, 24. Because he, yeah, he Four left. Four years. Yeah, that was a yummy. Mm. <laughs> but uh, uh, Professor Wood had uh, had made a big impact on me when I was younger. That was when I started started first working out, started developing, you know, muscles. And <laughs> but but what she taught me was that it's okay to embrace being a big character. Like she does huge character drama queen. Just and just uh, she's an illusionist, or I'm sorry, an enchanter, and just I, she really didn't need to use her enchantments much because she was just really good at at relating to people, but also being bigger than life, and that sort of inspired me. That 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 was like, wow, maybe it would help if I were bigger than life. So when I started, that was sort of when the persona started, and she encouraged it. She was like, "Don't go with it. Live live your big." Fabulous life. So that's when Jonathan the Magimuscular started being Jonathan the Magimuscular. I, I, I think I got it. Basically, she said, you do you, boo. You do you. Yeah, uh, you know, I was going to say more professionally, but no, not really that more, much more professionally than that. No. Is this also why you have the hots for tieflings? <laughs> Jonathan the Magimuscular, as he's walking, stares out at... Wow. At, the, at the ocean. Psychoanalysis <laughs> by Carlton Tanks here. Carlton Tanks has a high intelligence level. Like, he does. honestly, he does. He hadn't really thought of her consciously like that until this exact moment. Let me tell you a thing, a personal thing about 
because I grew up swimming, surrounded by men who were lean and, like, very tall, because swimmers, and all their hair was very light, because I had friends who didn't realize they had brown hair until they stopped swimming. Um, (laughs) Chlorine will do that. I had friends who had green hair, and it was horrible for them. It's Chlorine can really, like, we didn't know my hair was as red as it was until I stopped swimming all the time. And for many, 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 many years of my life, I was, like, only into, like, light-haired guys who were just gigantically taller than me. And it's just what you, what's the the phrase? Like, like, what does people, like, throw what you know? Like, yeah, it's what you know. It's what you're surrounded by. And then I had my first crush on a guy that had really dark hair. And I was like, what? So, yeah. yeah. It's just what you know. It, I'm serious. Like you, that's like what you're surrounded by. And then you're like, I don't actually like blondes. I like this chlorine. I don't know. Or you decide that you like them both and you go, hey, I like this thing. I've only ever been around, but now I found this new thing and hey, it expanded my horizons and maybe I have a wider field that I like to enjoy. Basically, audience, you do you. You find who you love. There you go. Uh, and as I see uh, Jonathan staring as the, I can see the gears turning in his head, I just whisper, I won't tell Bernie. Uh, that kind of stuff's not, won't, won't tell her what? But you will though, right? That you have a hots for tieflings because of your t- grade school Look, teacher. Okay, uh, okay. So much regret. I'm missing so Even much. Even with this re- revelation, Jonathan the Magimuscular didn't have the hots for this teacher consciously. Clearly, something subconsciously, Jonathan the Magic Muscular's mighty subconscious still had a mighty hold when he found Greenest and found a very hot tiefling. I think of all the education that I've missed. You and I both know Bernie <laughs> and how this is going to play out. Well, yeah, but it's fine. I... Then I'll let you tell her. Dorveen and I aren't like that anymore. Oh, no? No. Oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're friends. Just friends? Yeah, it's fine. Still messenger. I'm probably going to message her before bed, just letting her know, hey, guess what I did today? But um, but no, friends. Just really, really good friends. Okay. Well, I'm here if you need me. And I pat him on the shoulder. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, pat him back. All right. Is there anything else anyone would like to do before bed? Julia would like to point out there's more than one tiefling in the world. <laughs> hey, listen. <laughs> Lauren, the DM, would like to point out there is also more than one tiefling in the world. Yes. <laughs> well, Trav- I mean, technically, uh, we there's Rihanna somewhere. I'm guessing yeah? Jonathan and Travancore had their conversation while Jonathan was grabbing his plate and going back out. Travancore stays down there and he's trying to, I mean, if she if she was okay with it, sit next to Vera Weeping Zane, chew her ear for a little bit, pick, talk to her. Okay. Uh, is there anything in specific you'd like to be talking about or just having a nice conversation over some food that doesn't have any hot sauce in it because Bernie is on the other side? Mostly nice conversation, maybe asking how she got caught up in, with this crew. She'll talk about how she was kind of aimless looking for a job and uh, Valeria hired her on as uh, just kind of a deckhand kind of thing. And the next thing she knew, she'd been here for about three years. Wow. Three years of your life. Yeah, you know, sometimes you think you're just doing something for a while, and then the next thing you know, it's been a couple of years. It's okay, though. I mean, it's been fun. It's been profitable. I've saved up a little bit of a nest egg, and I'm not going to complain. I I had a worse life before this, that's for sure. But you like doing what you're doing now? Yeah. It feels good. We're useful. It can be boring at times. It can be cold as balls, that's for sure. But, you know, there were 
definitely worse ways to make a living, and I trust the captain. Something to think about. I got a million things on my, my list of things to do, but maybe when the list gets a little lower, maybe I should try some, try my hand to be in the sea for a bit. Ooh. Clears your mind, that's for sure. You have a lot of time to think, and eventually you run out of stuff to think about, you know? Oh, and draw. No, maybe you don't run out of stuff to draw. You run out of time to draw stuff, though. I mean, it gets dark. Yeah, I'm gonna just pull out my uh, my book of sketches and just sort of, like, look through them and sh- yeah, show them to you and see if, get her opinion for whether they're any good or not. I'll roll a performance check. Oh, cool. Alright, performance is... I don't have to do that a whole lot. Not much of a bonus there. There are no bards in this party, so it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Soft 20. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. Nice. She is impressed with, as you flip through, kind of modestly showing um, a couple pictures of the horizon as you were kind of acclimating to be on the ship, several of Shadow, a bunch of your friends, things like that. She's like, mm, these, are, these are really nice. Thanks. I never knew if I had any talent for this or not. It's just something I like doing. You obviously like doing it a lot. You're good at it. Thanks. Is this why you want to go sailing and see more stuff? Um, yeah, it's kind of, that's part of it. There's a, after the first week I was on sea, like, there's a certain calm to being there. I mean, I know there can be rough seas, everything like that, but it's, parts of it are very nice. It also helps that you're not having to do very much except draw. You're not having to actually work on this rig. Oh, yeah. And she gives you a wry look. <laughs> God forbid a, a noble do any work, right? Yeah, I've, I've seen you, I've, I've seen the way you walk around. You got, seen the way you hold that bow. You do work, you just do different work, that's all. Yeah, yeah, things need killing, and sometimes I'm the one that kills them. Bad things, almost entirely, but things nonetheless. Y- y- when you're when you're a ranger, you're you're essentially a killer. Whether it's good or bad, that's that's a skill you're good at, and it's not a nice thing to make peace with sometimes when you when you have quiet moments. Hey, listen, as long as you know that you're killing the bad things, that's that's good enough for me. The more the less bad things that are out there, the less I gotta worry about shit coming up on our our bow. Yeah, like like deadly octopi. Octopodes. We only encountered one of those, and that kind of sucked. Got a tentacle around the back. We were eating calamari for days, though. Ah, fried? Now, you don't want to fry anything on a ship. You're going to get fires. That's fair. That's true. Sushi all the way. That's Travancore's tenant intelligence showing. (laughs) Uh, And she'll regale you with a story about a giant octopus that tried to grab onto the ship as they were, were heading... In some random direction, she doesn't even remember what. Uh, roll an insight check. Insight. Boop-a-doo. 22. You think it's true that maybe she's embellishing a little bit on some of the details? May- especially the eating of the sushi for days afterwards. But you get the sense she's not... She's telling a good story because it's true. Just like the uh, the hardtack, the, the hot sauce... Sometimes the story needs a little bit of flavor. I, I know what that's like. I had a teacher, Sri Balaklan Adventure, told the tallest of tales, but man, he was good at it. Ah, uh, you think you think maybe I should stop embellishing it that much? No, it's it's flavor. It, it adds to it. I think it's sort of like how a good impersonation isn't trying to imitate somebody exactly. It's finding the one or two things that are unique about their cadence and their style and exaggerating the hell out of it. That's a good thing to think about. It's a skill like any other. Maybe next time I'm in port, I'll, I'll exaggerate even more. See if I can, see if I can con some of those those landlubbers out of a little more, a little more drink. They always like to hear a tall tale like that. Ah, my do love land. 
<laughs> is there anything else any of you would like to do? Because at that point, it's it's getting pretty late. And so uh, Vera will, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, she'll take her leave. Uh, everyone else seems to be heading to bed who isn't heading up top. Nah, Bernie's going to head to bed. Yeah, bedtime sounds like good. All right. Two of you head to bed not long after Jonathan and Carlton come on down. Also uh, grabbing some bedtime. And the, the night passes seamlessly and without issue. Thanks for listening to our adventure. If you've enjoyed our show, visit us at DungeonDrunks.com for links to all of our social media, pictures and bio of our cast, a full list of credits, and more. We'd appreciate it if you left us a review, and we would love it if you come support us on Patreon. Visit Patreon.com slash DungeonDrunks to sign up. Thanks again, and we'll see you next encounter. We appreciate all of our patrons, and extend a special thanks to our Artifact and Wondrous Tier patrons. Thank you, Megan, Lori, aka Calamity Jane, and Hunted Shadows, LLC.